ChatGPT right now is definitely something that a lot of people are talking about and experiencing with. And if you haven't played with it, it's definitely a magical experience, I would say. So that's why I wanted to actually do an episode that explains how the AI works, because a lot of times when you see something like this type of AI that you get to see and experience and see all the different types of words that it's able to come up with in a very human-like way, it's easy for it to kind of feel like a black box, like, wow, oh my God, this is magic. How is this actually happening? So I want to, in a high level, be able to explain how ChatGPT actually works so you can at least get a higher understanding of, oh, you know what? It's not actually magic. There's just a bunch of math that's really going on. And combined with computer science, math with computer science, it's able to create these outstanding AIs that really can be used for us, whether it is you want to start a business, you have a business, um, you work at a company right now, um, you're a content creator. There's a lot of different use cases for these AIs that are designed to serve us and not completely replace humans from having to do anything at all. So again, if you haven't actually checked out ChatGPT, I definitely think it's worth you checking out. And for those of you who have not, it is a chatbot that OpenAI released on November 30th, and you can type questions and get responses back. What I think is most fascinating about it is that it can actually maintain context from a previous question. So let's say I asked ChatGPT to give me a recipe for chocolate chip cookies, which I did, and it was pretty good. I didn't get to try it, but I can just tell from reading through the recipe, and I've seen a lot of recipes, that it looked like your, your basic chocolate chip cookie recipe. What was interesting, though, was that in the next question, so after I asked it to give me a recipe for the best chocolate chip cookies, I then asked it, why was that the best recipe? And what was very interesting is that it responded knowing that I just asked it about chocolate chip cookies. And see, for us as humans, like when we conversationally ask people that type of follow-up question, that's pretty normal and expected to understand that context. But for an AI to be able to keep that context, that's something that is really unique. And it's been something that has been worked on um, and really an innovation that's happened within the past couple of years, I would say, in the form, the field of large language models. So that I thought was really impressive. And you can definitely see from interacting it with that there's been a lot of intention of making it a very friendly chatbot, um, being able to come with a wide variety of different tasks. And so those are things that I played with. So, I mean, as of right now, as of this recording, it's currently free. So I definitely suggest you playing around with it if you haven't done so already. It's really cool and it's going to help you come up with ideas of maybe where you can potentially use this, or maybe you know someone who would use something like this, or just what's to come, because this is only the beginning of more of these large language models, types of AIs that are going to be helping us um, around the world. So this whole process of how it is that we actually got here to ChatGPT, I think of it as it, the, the OpenAI, along with other companies, it's it's been a series, I would say, of experiments of how they got here. And I, the way that I've 
read through the papers. And the best way I think of thinking about it is it's kind of like coming up with the perfect recipe. Um, so imagine maybe coming up with the perfect recipe for like barbecue brisket and going through a lot of different steps and different utilizing different cooking techniques, inventing new cooking techniques until all of a sudden you come up with a new way of being able to create barbecue recipe that wasn't able to be, have been generated before. That's a lot like what's really happened in this specific field within uh, large language models and the type of machine learning that we're AI that we're going to get into. So every AI recipe, I'd say it starts first why you've got to have a lot of data. You have to collect it and really prepare that so that it can be trained for an AI. Then humans are going to be able to take some of these uh, tasks and um, be able to start being able to prep that data for it. And I, I know that when we think of being able to learn a new task, it's doesn't it's Yes, it does take a lot of time, but humans can learn something pretty quickly, whereas it takes AIs thousands of examples just to be able to learn something that maybe a human would learn pretty quickly, like a baby being able to be able to see only a couple of images, a cat, and knowing that it's a cat. That example, for example, would take thousands of images for a cat to be able, uh, an AI to learn that it's a cat. And the actual method, the uh, technique of AI that is at the heart of how chat GPT works is called reinforcement learning. And specifically what chat, what a uh, chat GPT uses is called reinforcement learning from human feedback. The best way to think about how reinforcement learning works is that it's a lot like training a dog. So if you want to incentivize a dog to sit or really want to train it to do anything really, is you've got to be able to give it a treat. Dogs work from incentives and so does reinforcement learning. It works from incentives, but in the reinforcement learning terminology, it's called a reward. So the reinforcement learning algorithm is trying to maximize the cumulative number of rewards. And it actually does this by trial and error, very similar to how humans learn. And over time, it starts to learn what are the actions to take that maximize its expected cumulative reward. Or in dog training terms, the dog learns what are the actions to take that give it the most number of retreats, most number of treats, and what are the, it'll take fewer actions that give it a fewer number of, of treats. The actual reinforcement algorithm that ChatGPT uses is called proximal policy optimization. And this algorithm, OpenAI released in a paper from 2016. Policy is a mathematical rule that just really explains how the chatbot is going to think about deciding how to respond given a current state that it's in. So in this case, given a question that a user is prompting, what is the response that's going to maximize its expected reward? Or in this case, what is the response that it believes that a human is most likely going to uh, think is the best response? So after this process, uh, it, there is then the model is trained to learn what the human AI trainer wrote 
as a mock user and as a mock model. So there was a lot of human involvement in this process. There were human AI trainers that were provided conversations. Um, and so they had to pretend to be both the human, uh, like as a, a human user, they had to pretend to be a human user by they would write actual mock questions. And then they would also pretend to be the mock AI that would respond how the, mock, the AI should respond to that type of question. So that combination of the human writing the mock questions, the human writing the mock answers would become the data set that would be used to train a model. And so the, the actual model AI would learn what uh, was the best decisions from what a, a human had really been written as a prompt user and as the prompt response. So this actual method of getting a data set and a human actually labeling what are the right answers is called supervised learning. And that's the technique that was also incorporated as part of this process for uh, ChatGPT to be in existence as it is today. Another way that I like to think about supervised learning is imagine that you're trying to train a machine to learn what a cat is. You would take thousands of images of cats off of the internet, and for each picture of a cat, you would write that it's a cat on that image, um, or like not cat on like images that don't have cats. And so from that massive data set of this AI being able to see all these images of cats, eventually over time, it'll learn what a cat is and, what a, and um, be able to say, okay, there's not a cat in that one. So it knows what a cat is. So that's what we are doing here by training the AI to actually be able to know what a good answer looks like and what a question is starting to look like from the actual person the cat is. So that's what we are doing here by training the AI to actually be able to know what a good answer looks like and what a question is starting to look like from the actual person. After the model learned from human AI trainers and then it returned responses, the trainers had to then rank order messages that the model performed. So the use of humans here is actually a really important part of this entire story of how it is that ChatGPT came into existence, which I know is contrary to a lot of what people probably think when they think about AI. They think about these terminators, these machines that are just being able to fully operate and think and breathe on their own. And if you the more that you hear about how ChatGPT actually became into of existence, the more you see that humans are a massive part of not only making sure that the AI is not uh, just like a troll on the internet <laughs> and make sure it's a, a nice AI, it's friendly, it's polite, um, but also something that is going to respond in a way and behave in a way that humans would want, uh, making sure that it's able to provide the best answers. Part of the human labeler's job was to assign a numerical score from one to seven on the model's response based on these categories. 
So the first one is the overall quality of the response. The second one is if the model fails to follow the correct instruction. So like an example is if someone were to say, give me a tweet that's under 30 characters for cooking, I don't know, soup. <laughs> I don't know how I came up with that, but you'd have to make sure that it was like a, it was a correct answer, um, that the actual instruction was correct given the question. So the third is if the response is inappropriate based on what the user was asking, or it just maybe should not have responded that way. The fourth is if the model makes up facts. And this is something that is the really hardest part because it's these, a, these the chat GPT or other AIs that are like this, it's very hard to really decipher if what it's saying is actually truth or not. I mean, if you look at it, for example, like look at Wikipedia, it's hard to know if what you're reading on Wikipedia really is truth or if it was just someone deciding to make up facts about something, especially if it's history and there's no one was around at that time or it's hard to really verify or not many people necessarily go and fact check Wikipedia of maybe what something happened in history. All right, so the next one um, was if it satisfies the constraints provided in the user's instructions. So let's say if there was an instruction that was like, give me a catchy headline for shark watching in 140 characters or less. You'd wanna make sure that the actual response was indeed 140 characters or less. And of course it was related to sharks. Of course, making sure there's no sexual content, that there's no violent content, or there wasn't anything that encouraged like violence or terrorism or self-harm, nothing, none of that weird stuff, nothing harmful advice. Uh, making sure that it doesn't express its opinion or express any moral judgment. Uh, those were the categories that the human a labelers would give a numerical score, again, one to seven, to assign the actual response, which then went back into the machine learning process. And so that number, again, was eventually how the AI was really incentivized to be able to maximize the response that the human labelers would most likely think was the best response. So remember, everything in AI boils down to math and is quantified. My intention here for you is to understand at a high level and really what is going on so you can feel more empowered to be able to start using this to understand the trends that are impacting you and be able to do something with it with your life. So ultimately, the model is incentivized to return the response that it believes is likely to be the best response that a human would think is. Now, OpenAI did address some limitations that are as of right now in ChatGPT and that they plan to address. Um, nothing is absolutely perfect. And I think it'd be even difficult to make a 100% perfect AI given culture, trends, there's so many things that keep evolving and everything is now and society happens so fast. News breaking out, culture changing with in just a matter of a tweet or a post on Facebook. Um, and so an AI having to keep up with that is really challenging. 
Um, so I'll share with you what are the address, the limitations that they shared that there are right now that they're planning to still address. Um, so one, there's no such thing as a place to find the right answer to every single possible question that's out there. Um, I mean, if you even if you think about it, like when you go on a Google search, for example, there are a lot of times where Google doesn't really know what the right answer is. So instead of actually saying what the right answer is, it's just going to show you a list of pages that it believes are relevant to what it is that you're searching for. But it's not saying like, oh, this is the right answer. Whereas there's some other times where maybe you go on this Google search and you know you you type in something where it knows for sure, like what date is the World Cup? Well, that's they know for sure like what day that is. That's a fact. Um, but there might be others where it's not really sure. So that that's a hard problem, especially given that there's so many variety of different questions that can be asked and different ways that the same question can be asked. That makes it difficult. So there's a couple other limitations as well that they have said, such as really sensitive to tweaks in how you phrase the question. Um, model does, I'd say, write some long answers. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of people who wouldn't like that, and they'd probably want to have that flexibility of having a shorter answer, depending on what the context is. And also right now, if the model isn't sure of what the right answer is, it'll still just take a guess. It won't ask for clarifying information, which it expects would be a more human-like way of being able to converse with someone. If you're trying to get information from them and you don't really know, you'd ask like a clarifying question before just taking a wild guess. There is one more. And that's just like there could be some instances where maybe the model doesn't respond in the nicest way. And that's also tough because when it's you're training the model based off of the corpus of information that there's out there on the internet, you're definitely going to get stuff of uh, people that are just not nice <laughs> The trolls of the internet, um, like for example, some of the actual data sources that were used on Instruct GP, Instruct GPT, which um, Chat GPT is called a sibling of it, or CNN Reddit, which Reddit definitely is filled with trolls, <laughs> not nice people on the internet, uh, and Daily Mail news articles. Um, so those are just some examples. There's probably, I'm sure, plenty of others, but I couldn't find what others that they had disclosed that they had been trained on. So that really, in an, in overall, just gives you a high-level overview of what a 68-page paper on Extract GPT kind of overviews of how that then formed ChatGPT and what how ChatGPT, I'd say, really works at a very high level. If you have any questions, if there's any topics that you want me to cover, please let me know and miss Jill Ford on Twitter. I really want this to be a place where all of the tech trends that are emerging, you're curious about, that you're excited about, and maybe you're a little bit scared of like, hey, I don't really understand what this means. I know that I should be keeping up with what's going on and I want to have a better idea. Please let me know. I want to make this a place where you can get those questions answered. So please let me know. There's definitely no stupid questions. And I can't wait to be able to hear what it is that you're learning, what you're going to be taking away from this episode. So please hit me up. I mean, it's never too late to start learning. All right. Thanks so much, everyone.